welcome to the inaugural episode of The Brothers Z. This is a brand new podcast. I am your co-host, Tom, and along with me are... I'm John. I'm an editor. I'm a librarian, and I write a lot. I'm Peter. I'm an aerospace consultant, and I talk a lot. Okay. (laughs) And I am a therapist. I also review comic books for a website called comicbookcore.com. So and therapy with comic books. Absolutely. And okay, so that's... I have to do to talk about what I do a lot. Okay. I read a lot. So comic books. Yes, or I read do well, therapy a lot. I do a lot of therapy. Okay. Do you read people? I try. Uh-huh. Um, but do the actually, comic books help you read people? I think they do. I'm going to answer that far, Tom, because yeah. I feel like he is looking right into my soul whenever we are talking. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I don't. And that's that exactly way. the feeling I want to evoke in John. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm the youngest, and I feel like everybody wants to have power over me. So, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I do not feel that way because I'm the oldest, and I don't care. Uh, no, there because you go. you're the oldest, and you feel like you have the power. <laughs> There we go. We have demonstrated without saying, but our title says it all. We are brothers, and we are here to talk about science fiction movies and other stuff. That is the purpose of this podcast. And in our inaugural episode, we are going to tackle the subject of movies we thought we would love, but we hated. Movies we thought we'd love, but we hated. Yes, and we have a long history of watching movies together. We do. I we were standing in line together yes. for Return of the Jedi yeah. in 1983. Mm, I remember that. Where we paid the astronomical price of? three seventy-five, four dollars fifty. Oh, wow. That was yes. At the well, Miller Hill Mall. Yes, that's in right. Duluth, it Minnesota. Three, three fifty was standard. Okay, I promise I'm not employed by Tinseltown in Aurora, Illinois, but I have watched some of the most modern of hit movies for around $5 recently. Dang. At Tinseltown, yes. Okay, but this so is like that second, is a shameless run. Well, no. Real-time I Dolby? One of the movies we'll talk about today, Avengers Infinity War, I actually saw the midnight showing the day it was released. For $5? $5? But not for $5. Okay. So. okay. okay. Now, well, what, you'll, what you okay, need to do to see it for last, I don't know. What you are you doing? What are you doing with that? Yeah, you no, set the five dollar baseline, Tom, and now you're gonna go off and say you paid twelve dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, it's like a minimum <laughs> wage argument. Let me defend myself. Okay. Um it is talk. a Saturday matinee show. Okay. You can watch a frontline movie just released. It's around five dollars. Okay. Wow. So let That's me get this remarkable. straight. So we're supposed to we're trying to Launch a respectable. Yeah, so we should be launching here. into our online right now. Is that what you're getting at? No, what I'm getting at is the fact you lead with the fact that you get a cheapo, you know, matinee version of a big blockbuster. You're not watching it like in prime time. Yeah. Okay. Well, and no, but so, that just tells uh, the audience how sensible Tom is. Thank you. I have educated the audience about who Tom is as a human being. And okay. you, you have more uh, more experience in the private sector than either of us. <laughs> yes. <And laughs> you should appreciate the I appreciate economy. The, of... I appreciate the parsimony. Yes. Okay. Thank I may you. use that word. You can use it. We might need to look it up on a dictionary. Okay. Yeah. So what we will do today is we're going to talk about, we're going to go around the table, and I'm going to start with you, Mr. John. Yeah. If you could... 
Well, let me to give you a little more history because I won't put you on the spot yet. Okay, thanks. Pete and I had, uh, and I call him Pete, but he doesn't allow anyone else on the planet. Tom is the Pete. only person on planet Earth to call me Pete. Yeah, if anyone else does, it's a problem. Yes. Okay, I'm raising my hand here. Can I call you Pete? Uh, <laughs> uh, consistency. We're sake. setting ground rules. Here. <laughs> ground rules. You may call me Pete because you are the brother of my brother. Okay. <laughs> the brother. Which will make you my uh, <laughs> the brother of my brother. The is my brother. brother. The logic is sound. Okay. Yes. Yes. It all links it's together. Totally that's, sound. That's but don't the rest of you even dare to call me Pete. Okay? There you go. So Pete and I were had, had this conversation. We just got on the phone. We started talking Last Jedi. And so the two movies that I saw this year that I thought I had loved but I hated Last Jedi, which actually was released last year. Last year. And we've already done a podcast in which I was a guest, and I'm grateful for that. It yes. was a very enjoyable conversation. The solo, our review of Solo. So we started to talk about this, and we started to realize we have a lot to talk about when it comes to sci-fi movies. Yes. And like any other creative medium, there's a lot more to a movie than just laser beams and people running around in spaceships to quote george right. lucas special effects is nothing it's yeah. all about story yes right it's mm -hmm. about story it's about plot from it's the man characters it's about the themes it's about pacing it's about cinematography there's a lot to these movies and speaking from my experience in my professional world there's a lot about the dynamics and relationships and in the characters and that's what i bring to the table what i'm most interested in when i go whether I read a, a comic book and, and review it or whether I go to a movie, I pay probably more attention to, do these characters track? Is there an internal consistency in what they're teaching me? Because every movie goes through a process of teaching you who the characters are, what they stand for, what the themes are, the plot, the narrative. Is it consistent? Does it make sense? Does it resonate with me? And we were having this conversation about Last Jedi, and it turned out being such a wonderful conversation. We thought, why not get together as brothers and do it in a podcast? So that's what inspired us to pull John in. So that's our origin story. That's our origin story. That's our origin story. Yes. <laughs> that is our genesis. <laughs> our genesis. Yes. In the beginning, it was solo. Yeah. <laughs> in the beginning, was a conversation. One, yeah. then we decided we have to share this with the world. Right. And as I talked <sighs> way too much here, I sent Pete an, an an email, and the title that I think you sent back to me was eight reasons why I hated the last show. Well, that started, but the Which conversation was wonderful. Okay, I, I couldn't <laughs> help myself um, because there were eight reasons why I hated episode eight, and that hatred continues to this day. Okay, okay. Please. Why that was wonderful is because you shared your your honest opinion, and you had rationale behind it. That was wonderful. Whether you agree with it or not, it's great just to have an open dialogue in this format about these this about science fiction films and i think that's wonderful yeah it's it's a fun topic it's a topic that we brothers have shared for decades yes and now we get to uh share it in a new way yeah. and a new platform absolutely so, yeah so well, should we kick in let's yeah. do it let's yes. do it yeah do it let's talk so basically we want to adjust the conversation a little bit and the conversation is going to be adjusted this way what is the future of the Star Wars franchise, given Last Jedi 
And given the fact that solo, last shot I made a lot of money. It, like $2 billion plus, I think, somewhere in that range, or one point oh, wow. something million. It made a lot of money. It's disappointing for humanity. Yeah. But go on. So now Solo did not. Solo made $220 million domestically, which is horrible. Star Wars tends to overperform domestically. To give you a snapshot, The Force Awakens made over $900 million domestically. The second place film... Avengers. Everybody knows Infinity War. It made six hundred seventy-eight. Okay. Put that in perspective. Okay. okay. Avengers: Infinity War made six seventy-eight. Right. Wow. Right. And part of that, would you think, is um, a movie in the new trilogy is going to advance the story, where Solo is going to tell us a story where we already know the end. We know that Solo's not going to die. Right. We know that. You know, I mean, they could get us attached to another character who is going to die. Yeah. yeah, like uh, they did with um, Rogue One. One. Yeah. yeah, but uh, Solo is you know you're there's not going to be the same level of interest I don't think because mm -hmm. you're not advancing the grand arc of the story. Correct. You're going back and you're telling the the pre story. Right. Um, and frankly, I mean we we talked about yeah. this in the Solo podcast. In my view, the the potential outcome for Solo was binary. Either it would be okay, mm -hmm. or it would crash and burn. There was no scenario because the expectation was so high. It's yeah. such a huge character, mm -hmm. and uh, I thought uh, Aaron Reich did a great job at the character. I liked the film. Yeah. I never once thought to myself, you know, where's the remote? I want to hit the fast forward button. I want to see it again. Can't wait until it comes on the airplane. I travel a lot. Can't wait to watch it on the airplane again mm -hmm. while I work. But, uh, which is not a feeling I have for episode eight, but, um, it's an origin story for it looked like they want to do another trilogy with it, which I hope they continue and do. Um, but it was never, the, the expectation is so high given the character, mm -hmm. it was never a way that it was going to be a blockbuster. Yeah. But do you never. think it was only okay? No, I liked it. I okay. liked it. I want to watch it again. Uh, I want to see it again. Uh -huh. And I would pay to see it again. That's my right. witness test. Would I pay to see it again? Absolutely. Right. I would think I would compare it to like an Indiana Jones movie mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where it's like an almost like, like or like a, a Western. You know what I mean? Like it's a, a, a romp through a certain, you know, wild frontier. Yeah. Yeah. An adventure story. And but, you know, of course, they always have the crutch or not the crutch, the problem. You know, you the know challenge. the whole, right? That in the business solo, world, the challenge, challenge is you know the right. ending at right. the beginning, right? But although, is that what you're getting at? Right, but although, um, thinking about that, comparing it to Rogue One, yeah. you know how? I mean, you basically know how that's going to end, right? You know that they're going to get the plans to, yeah. right, uh, to Leia, but that was, I think the best Star Wars movie of the entire franchise. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's, because it just, you you feel, yeah, I mean, you want to watch it again and again. We did right. it the last time we were So was Solo as good as Rogue One? No. Not even close. Okay, break that down for us, Sean. We want to hear that. Okay, because write that down. You just threw it down. Now we're going to write it down. I Okay, because I think Solo, I don't want to trash Solo, so this isn't about bringing Solo down. Okay. But bringing Rogue One to the you yeah, know, bringing yeah. that up. I remember from my English high, uh, high school or my high school English teacher saying that a really great storyteller could tell you what's going to happen and still keep you reading. 
And she said that when we uh, when we Mrs. Stewart, Miss uh, Lustre. Oh, okay. Miss Stewart, I think retired. Okay. Before we got there. <laughs> anyway, that's a tangent Sorry. to which we are prone. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> but we were reading uh, Beowulf. Oh, okay. You know. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah. Um. Whereas where Rogue One was just so complex, beautifully shot, and you know, this, I want you to talk more about this. So something about Solo didn't keep you interested in the entire story or parts of it. No, it like was, expound on that a little. Bit. I was interested in it. Okay, but I wasn't as fully invested as I was with Rogue One. Yeah, and plus they set up some moments like, um, well, let's let's look at the end of the movie when yeah the you know when they're sitting by that is it a lake and you're talking with, Rogue One. Rogue One. Okay, and the uh, you know the the Death Star has yeah. has uh, yeah. shot the planet. Yeah. They're playing beautiful music. There's this beautiful like. Golden hour, yeah. kind of kind of yes. lighting on yeah. the the scene. There are a couple characters to which you know you've seen what yeah. you know the you know these really courageous characters, not perfect but great you know yeah. great characters really got attached to them, and you know what's going to happen to them. It's really an emotional moment. It is. Yeah. Well, the fact it is it is a tragic ending. Yeah. Um. You also have uh <clears throat> some new outtake uh footage not used in Star Wars Episode Four, that is used in this film, the reconstruction of Tarkin, which I thought was very good because I found myself saying, oh, right. gosh, it looks real, but okay, that part was sort of CG, but this part feels really real. Right. So that was superb, but I guess my counter-argument is Solo ends with a, I thought, a beautiful twist that says, I want to know more. And it, frankly... Um, because uh, I agree with you that uh, the um, uh, you know the the uh, Star Wars one, story, Star the Rogue One, is a uh, I loved it. I yeah. absolutely loved it. Yeah. But it is kind of a one-hit wonder, right? And Solo you was designed. There was already a trilogy. a trilogy. There was a trilogy made after Rogue One. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So it, yeah, we've, we've already seen, seen it. We've right. all yeah. seen that show. I think yeah. there's a but, couple, but, but there's a difference there. And yeah. do, my question is. Would I watch another solo film? Absolutely. I'm right. really intrigued. And would I watch another that. Rogue One movie? I have. In 1980, you know, 1980 I watched Star Wars. Yeah, there you okay. go. <laughs> yeah, no. And you DVD it once again. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe what you're getting on like, with the problem <laughs> that Solo ran into is a similar problem that they ran into with the prequels. Yes, and it, it is. It is. I okay. think there's there's a couple of things that I want to raise to this esteemed panel so there's a couple of things that solo did that let's hits not on lie to the audience what's that let's not lie to the audience no in public dude lie to me not on this podcast okay so these last jedi and solo draw from the expanded universe literature so that's that impacts this whole conversation i will Cite an example, which my editor, a master's in English, tells me all the time when I put an opinion down on paper, I need to cite an example. Darth Maul was dead, gone, sliced in half at the very least, at the end of Phantom Menace. Right. So he shows up, spoilers, at the end of Solo. So in the expanded universe, he doesn't die. Okay. He gets his legs back, they build mechanical legs, and he ends up 
running kind of this it's like he goes crime. he was like a crime boss like a pre-anakin yeah. skywalker so okay. you end up so what you do though is it, are they splintering the narratives in so many different ways because of the need to hit on and tell more stories about cool characters that they kill too soon or does that impact this the the direction of this franchise when they add that kind of stuff to a because in this i don't know that that's yeah. exclusive okay. mutually exclusive i think yeah. you can introduce right. a character darth maul he was certainly i think killed way too soon okay uh like qui-gon jinn right killed way too soon yeah. yeah there was a lot more uh that could have been said about the qui-gon story right yeah. um and you know you see that a lot though in a lot of movies that like when um, the different franchises, when Buffy natu- came to its natural conclusion at the end of season five, yeah. and uh, you know she she dies at the end of season five, and and uh, but you know because of um, contracts and whatnot, Buffy comes back for season six and seven, which okay. ended up being okay. Yeah. You know you resurrect the character because you can still. Get some yeah. traction well, like, out of it. Even Sherlock Holmes did that. Right. I mean, we're, right. We're also yeah, talking exactly. about Star Wars, though. Star Wars is a different animal. Yeah. People think of these, the movies are canon, unlike almost would, any other franchise. I would agree. Every other franchise, is, there's either a book that's the canon, or there's some, in Star Wars, it's, the, it's absolutely the movies. Mm-hmm. When you reintroduce Darth Maul, and I'm going to take a side of the argument. I don't know if I necessarily believe it or not. I just want to go with it and kind of provoke you guys. Darth Maul, when you resurrect him, what does that do to the to the canon that was established back in 1977 and then again in 83? Well, wasn't Anakin, in a way, kind of resurrected this Darth Vader? Yeah. I mean, he was... Right, no exactly. one else should have <laughs> survived. Right. No one should have survived that. But look at him. I mean, right. he did. And well, then that he was became... a part of the narrative, though, but, of the original but movies. Was... Okay, but he was still resurrected. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he was, uh, even if he was more machine than man, yeah. so let me, let me be more direct. Never, let me be more direct. Yeah. Darth Maul is resurrected in Solo. Where was he during Rogue One? I Where was he during Star Wars? Where was he? And prior to that, there was oh, he's Jew, right? There's a Sith Lord and his apprentice. Yeah. Right. And now you have Darth Maul running around. And I'm going to completely contradict myself here, which I love to do. You guys will get used to it. The most exciting thing about Solo for me was Darth Maul in that female character who was a romantic interest. Because I was interested in her being an apprentice to Darth Maul. Right. But at the same time, it's totally different than what the movies told us the rules of this universe were. And is that a problem for this franchise? No, not at all. It's not when I watch. The so you movie, have no problem if they change some of the rules of the franchise. No, when I when I watch. This will be fun later. When I watch Solo. <laughs> when I watch. I know. I know. I know. You know where I'm going. I know where you're going with this argument. I know where you're freaking going. Okay. Right hook is Okay. Or do we pick and choose what part of the universe we can rewrite? Which is I did not get to end. I did not get to the end of this movie. Yeah, there is someone upstairs. You know, our host. Oh, thank you. We are at an R and B. We have an verbo. Yes. We need to calm down. So, but I never got to the end of the movie and say, what? Darth Maul returned? I, just, I can't get past that. I never, it was never a problem. Yeah, Why was that not a problem when it, things that happened in, in Last Jedi were? Because I had trust that somebody has a compelling story about why he wasn't gone. Yeah. 
So it, you believe it, the story? It worked. I, I don't know if I believe the story because I don't know the story. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? I know I, I have trust that there is somebody who can craft a compelling and at least oh, you believable think they narrative. Can do something with the story. Right. Gotcha. Well, I, I thought that was, a, want to hear about it was an incredibly yeah. engaging twist Right. to have her as basically an apprentice to an ex Sith Lord. So we have no, it sounds right. like we've established. That, I like that. We, we yeah. put an opinion out there. On. We do, we have no problem with speaking. the expanded universes and how it's brought characters back, was, how it's rewritten some of the rules from the canon that's established in the original right. films. We have no problem with that. We have, in this or particular not. case, it was well executed. I do not have a problem with it in this particular case. I know where you're going with this, okay? <laughs> because I think that a lot of Star Wars fans, this is a number one gripe of theirs. And we we'll, we can get into it with Last Jedi, but yeah. and Solo's a little harder because you don't have a lot of Force stuff going on. Yeah. And like Rogue One didn't have a lot of Force outside of the one guy who was kind of a Force yeah, admirer, the person, but he was not necessarily a force user. <laughs> was he not though? He was like, a force he, user yeah. because of how I mean, he was able. He although did, he, he was did. using his senses. We're not talking right. midichlorians anymore, so we're glad that's off off the table. Off the table. Right. Thank if, you, if you read yeah. the, oh, the, I'm looking for the supplement at GNC. I've never been able to find it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so if you read the books, there is they are the the Jedi, the guards of the Jedi Temple. Right. And. They're not they're not Jedi's, so they're they're not necessarily fully trained Force users, but they believe in the Force. So they're like acolytes. Yeah, at the temple. So yeah, they're like uh, Jedi altar boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's, now, yeah. was he? Did the Force somehow? Contributed to the yeah absolutely you don't walk yeah. blind oh, through a battlefield cool. and make it he was cool that's what made the difference is that cool. the metric if it's oh, cool enough no because no it's he made you believe in something that wasn't physical okay that uh, to me and, and it was consistent it was fundamentally yeah. consistent with the kind of rules of the universe okay because um, I think one of the biggest gripes Star Wars fans have is that they don't know what the rules of this universe are anymore. Well, they're difficult well, because I would agree. After Episode Eight, which incidentally coming back to our main theme, yeah, was a disappointment. Yeah, uh, Solo may have been a box office disappointment, but it wasn't a story disappointment. Okay, well, as Jedi was. Yeah, to me, yeah, was a disappointment, complete and total. I saw the movie. Uh, you heard it on the other podcasts, but I, I was in London the day before the U.S. release, jumping up and down thinking, great, I'm going to be able to see the movie and post on Facebook, you know, before everyone else in the States, all my friends in the States, I'd seen the movie. I was so shocked at yeah. this, um, what's the words that to describe, I was shocked and horrified at this movie so, so much that I never even posted on Facebook. I never even, it was like, Okay, did I just see what I just saw? Right. I went back and saw it with my family, you know, a few days later and went from I'm supposed to like it because it's Star Wars and I like Star Wars and I went from I don't like this movie. I just don't like this movie. Yeah, right. Okay. Let's unpack this a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um no, yes, do you yes. have something tough? Well, this is how we'll unpack it. These are the eight reasons why Pete Hates Last Jedi. 
This is a private communication. Yes, a very private communication. We are now cracking open and making public to the world. So now he's using a nickname which no one outside the family uses. No one ever outside the family ever uses. Sorry, Pete. The only thing thing that you can console yourself with is probably between 8 and 20 feet of four electrical tunnels. That's what we a limited audience. Both listeners. Okay, number one. Luke dies. Besides the fact that Luke is a beacon of hope and a powerful Jedi, losing him is a loss. What made his death so hard to stomach? Uh, well, he was my favorite character. Okay. So that's that's personal. I, I would agree I, because Luke meant a lot to me as a kid. As a kid in the 80s, seeing him go from a little whiny boy yeah. to somebody who defeats Darth Vader. I know. It's like, you know, as was a boy who's developing, wondering, who am I? What can I do? And you see, you draw inspiration from fictional characters like this. And, yeah, to me, Luke and, means and, a lot. And he's, he's not only fictional, but he's archetypal. Right. Really, yeah. in that journey. And right. that, you know, as a kid growing up, every, you know, every boy dressed up as Han Solo. Yeah. Okay. I preferred Luke to Han Solo. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm with you completely. So I you never... didn't see the personal growth in his character. He was still the whiny boy that showed up on... On uh, Dagobah, um, he was a complainer. He was not the master of the Force that we thought that he would grow to be as a master Jedi. Let's just say he didn't. He won the war, but he lost the peace. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's the what best way I can describe it. Well, I mean, he won the war against the Empire. To, against the Empire, and okay. then became or somehow had dealt with everything, and you know, sort of. Is turn to the dark side becomes kind of a dark character though, and um, he becomes jaded but dark. But based on this, right, right, based he becomes on, jaded. Oh, yeah. He he kind of yeah. walks away from the faith, if you will. Right. But I, it was so it was personally disappointing. That's not a reason to you know consider you know that episode eight you know sunk the franchise. Yeah. But for me personally, it was right. um it was a problem. I think for me. I knew he would die in that movie, by the right. way. Right. Yeah. I knew I he would die in that movie. We yeah. felt it. I yeah. think the Force told us yes, that yes. he was we going said, to die. We sensed, it. We sensed <laughs> the tremor of the Force. Yeah. Right. But when he said, when he was talking about the Force, and I don't remember all the particulars, but I do remember him saying in um, episode eight um, that that doesn't belong to the you know, one people. It doesn't belong to the Jedi. The Force yeah. doesn't belong to them. That resonated with me a lot. Okay. Yeah. Because there are all sorts of ways that human beings are looking for power over their fellow man. <laughs> right. And, right. you know, what gives one person, one group the right to hold power over the others. Right. And that's what some well, people who love this film hail this as that they're stripping away the Skywalker dominance that it has to go through the Skywalker. Right. And, well, he's, he's there, <clears throat> if I'll put it, characterized in different terms. They are dissipating or doing away with the you know, kind of hereditary, you know, passage of the force as they're democratizing the force. It's very clearly. It's almost like the uh, the Protestant Reformation. Yeah. Yeah. True. They're iconoclastic. uh, It's true. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I would agree with you. And I don't have a problem with that. Okay. The fact the democratization of the force, not a problem. So this is another problem that, that you raised and I'm not going to hit on all eight of them, but another one is all in this, I had a problem with, Poe Dameron, who is a commander in the military, basically disobeys a direct order that leads to the demolition of, of numerous bombers and 
and soldiers, right? So he comes back and he basically, he gets demoted. He gets slapped in the face and demoted. Yeah. He comes back and makes another rogue decision, which puts Finn and another <sighs> character, which I, they end up on, they, and it, which leads to the kind of the, the demolition of more spaceships and troops. And the depiction of the military commanders, of which Poe Dameron is one, is suspect. Yes, I would agree. And I think this is a fundamental, uh, you could call it a dark side, light side duality, yeah. <laughs> a representation of it. But the problem with Star Wars is it is anti-war. Yeah. It's come to an anti-war Even though the place. war's in the title. <laughs> but Star Wars is in the title. <laughs> so how do you do that? Okay, how do you be anti-war? And, right. You know what I mean? But, I mean, but that's, although... Um, I once talked to a World War II veteran, and I said something about, you know, about how great it was. You know, I was 15 years old. I was talking to this World War II veteran. I said how great it was, you know, that yeah. we won the war. And he said, you know, very nicely, very respectfully, he says to me, you don't win a war, you stop a war. You can stop a war on terms oh, that you like, that's but you don't really win it. Yeah. Um, which is the way that a franchise, I think, called Star Wars can be anti-war yeah, because good point. Yeah. if you have any caring for yeah. you know you know personality and soul and people yeah. with yeah. sentient beings and whatnot and the you know the pain that war yeah. takes to not only combatants but the people who support them. so are you making but, the point that potentially poe dameron's <clears throat> move in the beginning of the film was to potentially stop the war they can take down this huge shift Get them stronger because hmm. I think I'm making a point about the character work, which sometimes I kind of drill into that too far. Yeah. I didn't see that Poe Dameron's character deserved to have any freedom in that film. He should have been thrown in a brigade with a couple of troops, a possible guarding, shot, yeah, possibly yeah. Yeah. court-martialed on the spot. But the bigger problem to me is you're engaged in a military conflict yeah. with an enemy that wants to eradicate you, right? What do you do? How do you win? And I didn't feel, I felt like there was a, um, it didn't feel like there was an adequate answer. Okay. Uh, I didn't like Poe's decisions. I didn't like his treatment. I didn't like what they did with his character. Yeah. And I didn't see a direction to a sort of redeeming higher lesson because you had military commanders who didn't want to fight a war, yeah. but you had people on the other side who were hell-bent on killing them. Yeah. Although I think maybe the commanders understood the odds that were against them. I think they had a picture. So say so. Well, well but what do they owe Poe? Well, who is he? They can't share everything with him. I'm, I'm fine with that, too. But yeah. give him clear direction. And, and at least Well, say, they did, but he wouldn't listen to it. Because well, no, they degraded him. Instead right. of saying, look, this is a command decision. This is what a commander would do. So, look, look, I understand you're excited and you want to go out there and win and you want to avenge you know, your fellow soldiers who die. I get it. Mm -hmm. We've got a bigger plan here. I can't tell you the details now. You're going to have to trust me. That's the, that's the speech that you have. But is Poe going to – like, is someone I mean, like Poe going to listen? Him, then you judge him on whether or not he listens. The problem is, is you had, in my view, you had you know, snide – undercutting comments from command uh -huh. that was not what you would expect from someone at that in that 
role as a senior commander. Okay. And so it was that. not it was not <laughs> handled appropriately. You know, he what? didn't act well, yeah. but neither did his superior. I and would put it this I way, just, though: I, I, you lost me. That was one of the places where you lost me. Yeah, time. I think the problem that that the writer ran into Ryan Johnson, I think the director, and I think also wrote the script on this, is that Poe actually isn't owed anything. Like after he de- diso- deliberately disobeys an order that leads to the demolition. He should have been court-martialed. Yeah. So he doesn't miss from the battle. And when you're, yeah. yeah, when yeah. you're in a line of command, you're expected to get an order and follow it. Right. Not in an army you are. Now in the private business world, maybe you're owed those explanations, and we all go to all these trainings where we need to try and collaborate and win and yeah. do all these things to win people over. But the truth be told, when you're in a battle situation and you have no right to be to, ha- to have access to the information, you're not giving it. And you're told that you need to go do your role and do your job. Yeah. And that's fine. And guess what? Commanders have been mochismo and disregarded people probably since the day there was ever a commander. <laughs> right. Which is, yeah. so these are a couple of things that, that you rose that I think as complaints about the movie. And when you talk science fiction, this is a, a bit of a, it's a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I think it's an interesting one. The science has to start to line up a little bit, especially with Star Wars. Right. So it doesn't mean all the science has to be scientific. I'm not saying that. Sure. I'm saying that if you you tell me the rules, you want the rules to track a little bit. So these were some of the science fiction-y things that were just either, it felt like either plot holes or just violations. violations. So... These bombers were so cotton pick and slow at the beginning of the film. I know, you hyperspace in and then you have a laboriously slow bombing run. And to drop I mean, those bombs was, was yeah. kind of ridiculous. Yeah, dropping bombs in outer space? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. right. That's, yeah. A, yeah. that's a problem. But were they close enough? Were they close enough to a planet where they would be drawn? To Why would you have something that's got maybe a little bit of hope behind it? Because let's say in a military engagement yeah. in space, you probably want to have propulsion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no. Right. So yeah. that was kind of silly. a bit ridiculous. Yeah. The idea of hyperspacing through a larger ship to destroy it. If that were a part of the universe, why didn't they think about that? Like decades ago in the story. That, right. Why not? Uh, why not hyperspace through the Death Star? That definitely goes on the, this is how the movie should have gone, you know, uh, highlight reel. <laughs> All right. You know, yeah. I mean, how right. many X-Wings do you need, right, to go through at least the command center of the oh, Death Star? Yeah, and, right. you know, you got a flowing orb that just can't do anything because you took out the fire control system. But, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The whole idea of Princess Leia returning from space. And what was your initial reaction? She's blown off the deck. She's floating around in outer space. Yeah. And she's drawn back. I was, all of a sudden, I thought I was watching Guardians of Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, for just a moment. But she comes back, but everyone else on the bridge is dead. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure I quite buy into that. Yeah. Is it because yeah. it was such a violent disruption from what you know it, about Star Wars, it, or what do you think it, it was? It did, really? because I think there is a certain, dare I say, realism? But, I mean, you know, I mean, at least you should have one of those, you know, 
breathe in a mask. Like something over your mouth, a 3M mask. Yeah, because, I mean, let's face it, <laughs> person goes into space, you know, blood boils, you, you know, yeah. you're dead in seconds. So, yeah. Um, you, you, that was one of the places where you lost me. You lost, yeah. You lost me. It just, in, you know, it is literally incredible. Yeah. What do you think, John? No, I agree completely. Yeah. Yeah. I almost laughed out loud because I knew that it was supposed to be this big emotional thing that it was supposed to have weight. When I saw that, that was like, and I don't know, maybe I should have given into that gimmick and I should have embraced it because it was a way to show how powerful Leia is and that she's a force user and that she's also a Jedi. The problem is that there is absolutely no precedence for that in any of the canon, which are the movies. Now, that may have been in the extended universe literature somewhere, which okay. I am not privy to all of that. So it's possible, but that was it's, a hard... It, it just, it didn't work. It didn't right. work on a basic story level. Yeah. yeah. Full stop. Yeah, like, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, now you're going to flip the universe on, upside down, so what should I expect? And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it gets, it gets yeah. further Expand from here. Mind. So Ray... And this is a question that was raised at the beginning of at after Force One. Now, arguably, she has the brightest shining moment in Force One when she calls that lightsaber to her, and she's able to go toe to toe with Kylo Ren, right. who is, has been training previously with Luke Skywalker since he was a child, and was converted to the dark side, and now has been under the tutelage. Of a, of a dark user of the Force. I don't know if Snoke is a Sith Lord, actually. And Ray, with absolutely no training at all, goes toe-to-toe in Force One. Well, uh, well, for, no, Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. Thank yeah. you. And then in this movie, it looks like she's actually stronger and better with the lightsaber than Kylo Ren. That's not what we learned about Star Wars. So either she is so much more powerful than he is, and such a quick learner that, and she was older. Usually it's yeah. like you're older. They're, so what were you going to say, John? I was just going to say, she makes Kylo Ren look like a child. Yes. Anytime they go toe to toe. As if Kylo her. Ren didn't look like a child all by himself. Right. Well, <laughs> well yeah, he said. did. Yeah. Yeah. Some and prior to these <laughs> movies, the only force users that were that yeah. were Sith Lords. Yeah. But really, you have to have the dark side of the force in yeah. you. To have that kind of power. And, and this also, I mean, it's, you know, it's um, subversive. It's deconstructionist. Okay. This movie is yeah. deconstructionist to the core, uh, which is okay. And it fits with the democratization, you know, democratization direction. But I think the problem is, okay, so you can sort of learn this just through osmosis by yourself. What happens to the dark and the light on this? Does this kind of magically disappear? Because now all of a sudden... You're just kind of listening to the universe and picking it up that way. They're kind of like to play devil's advocate too, is that they're actually changing the narrative in Star Wars from dark and light to a more complex narrative where people have both dark and light in them. And Ray, and I think with Ray, what you could look at her as the expanding universe literature would say that she didn't need to study under the tutelage of a master that she could pick up on all these skills based on her connection to the Force. By watching YouTube. <laughs> By watching well, YouTube videos. Yeah, I mean, that's how we learn now, right? <laughs> well, she had a lot of training um, in hand-to-hand combat, in flying, in, yeah. in, on the planet that she was on to survive. And 
when she got the connection to the force yeah. that she actually it just turned the light bulb on and she was able to use those those skills that she'd learned so but you know dualism says dualism does so previously, to break down that <laughs> previously it was embodied in yeah. individual you know white hats and dark hats literally right um and now it is represented within all of us which is you know it is a um we're talking the force now we're talking about or we're talking about force, we're talking yeah. about ray we're talking about where they're going with the franchise yeah. we're talking about key theme central theme so okay fine okay fine but then you still have the challenge of discerning which we you know kind of all do in real life right discerning good from bad yeah you still have the issue of when you make bad decisions what's that journey to redemption yeah and 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 how you know what empowers you to get there um and you know so okay so you're characterizing the dualism in a different way in an internal way what used to be external okay um so i'll be the knucklehead here what does that have to do with ray and how connected she is to the force because we don't have evidence of her being we don't we don't have evidence of, of kind of dark side no we don't she's kind of pure character of light is she messianic i mean certainly you have a character um yeah, better than anakin okay she's coming out of the blue yeah who just kind of does the right thing yeah and she's very likable i'm interested in this yeah. franchise mostly because of her yeah i would agree um but it is interesting that she is so powerful and potentially it's just a gap in knowledge like i don't i don't why i haven't watched a lot of the clone wars i haven't watched rebels i haven't read a lot of the expanded universe i read some of the novels around rogue one because i was so interested in that movie i read like two or three novels around that um but i have not read the expanded universe and maybe there's precedent in the expanded when i say expanded universe i'm talking about not just the the cartoons but also all the comic books all the novels right. all the novelization right. of star wars universe yeah so that was one and let's see if there's anything else finn in maze's master coder mission tour de force which i absolutely hated which is the whole casino scene yeah kind of nonsense <laughs> right um which uh again i i i uh, i love that actor i think he's incredibly charismatic Finn. Finn. Yeah. Um, and I wish they had him doing more. Yeah. Um, a more I, meaningful role. More meaningful. Um, I, I would love to have him doing more, uh, yeah. especially after Force Awakens, the setup. He's really primed to, I thought, have a a bigger place on the stage yeah. in Episode Eight. And it's like, yeah, we're keeping him around. Yeah. And so you know, we'll see what they do in Nine. But I was disappointed by. Yeah, uh, because they, I think they could have done more without taking away from Ray's son. Gotcha. Right, but I think the casino scene was important because it revealed to us how did how the casino came to be in the first place. How do you get all these wealthy people placing big bets? It's because people selling arms to both the Empire and the rebels. Gotcha. Right, and it's it's I don't know. It's well represented in the novels. What you're talking about, especially in the Rogue One novels. Uh, so it's a good point. Yeah. Um, it is a good point, but maybe we're going. Well, I was just going to say, it just shows that the world isn't necessarily 
binary. It's not one right. or zero. There are people who are, you know, profiting from both sides. And, yeah. you know, it's a cynical. But that makes them totally evil in the in the characterization of the film. So right. th there is no white hat there. There is only black. And, right, but it's but, kind but of he's interesting. But any substantive with it. He's but then the people, a, the rebels who were supposed to uh, be for, are buying arms from people who are, as you said, evil. Yeah. But so, here's the thing. So, so they're the feeding the beast. Right. To, to pick up on your theme of you know the Western adventure. Right. Okay? So they they ride through town, you know, firing off six shooters and yeah. you know shooting out windows. Well, besides shooting Colt revolvers, breaking at each bottles other. in the bar. Okay. Well, yeah. So it sounds yeah. like that as a as a theme, as a plot, it like as a theme, it was a good theme. Mm -hmm. But the story or the plot that they used, the vehicle that they used to tell the theme, we didn't like. I would I would agree with that. Okay. I didn't like the the animals running <clears throat> through the casino. I could do without the whole casino. But as far as bringing that into the narrative and having it come through Rose, the way she instructed us, I like that part. I think it. Yeah, and I, I like too that it's not as, I mean, it's a little more complex than the characters in their original trilogy, you know, New Hope and whatnot. Yeah. Where there are, it's showing more of the practical aspects of how this universe works. Okay. Because there have to be people making guns. There have to be people selling them. Yeah. There have to be people making money from them. Yeah, yeah. but it was a great moral statement without any sort of impact on the structure. I think that was my problem with it. I thought it was, you know, they, they denounced, they got to denounce the evil people. Right. But there's nothing wrong with that, though. Um, uh, it's like gravy without cornstarch. It's <laughs> it's the cornstarch for the plot. It's thickening it. It's, it's well, thickening which I think there was too much gravy and cornstarch and not enough meat. To me, it didn't. In the actual it. cinematography okay. and the way they executed it. Yeah. No, I, I didn't. Agree. I didn't like that. But right. I did. I do agree with you on the theme. I love that they brought that theme in, and I'm also glad they introduced this to this scoundrel, yeah, this character, which I really liked. I yeah, can't remember his too. name right now. Do you remember his name? Well, no, I know, but it was Benicio del Toro. Yeah, del Toro's character. Yeah. I love that character. Mm -hmm. I, I want to see more of him. Yeah. I want to see a standalone movie with him. I know. <laughs> you know. Well, or you want to see him in the next solo film. Actually, oh, maybe. he is oh, solo. Yeah. <laughs> he is like the dark. He's anti-solo. He is the anti-solo. Yeah. If they made a movie branching off of him, yeah. and he was like the new solo, he's more solo Ooh. than Poe Dameron is. Ooh. Right. Yeah. He, he really is. is. Oh yeah, because he is looking up for number one. He's yeah, looking he, up for him, whoever he is. Like he's, and he's charismatic. <laughs> he's cool. Yeah. He knows how to play the game. He's a, a petty criminal and. Right, a cyber thief. <laughs> He's everything that you think Solo yeah, should anyway. be, but he isn't really because Solo yeah. ultimately ends up making the right choices all the time. I know. You know. Well, yeah, I, I want mean, someone in this universe that I'm interested in who makes a lot of bad choices. Uh -huh. Um, because it's interesting. You've got somebody. Yeah, I can Skywalker. Well, that he made well, the right choice at the end on his deathbed. Right. Well, Anakin is of the original two, like the episodes one through six, is the only character yeah. who has any depth to him. Yeah. In a sense, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, Solo goes through a journey. You know, Leia goes through a journey. Luke's. He does, but it's not quite the journey. Yeah. I don't think as Scout as Anakin. Well, Luke. Yeah. So, Luke does, but that's more growing up. That's like growing into who he knows he can be. Until Last Jedi came along. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And right. Then he sort of. Yeah. 
Yeah. So another from the A team to the B team. Another complaint. Maybe, you know, well, if it was really maybe, him. Unless he opened up something, I and mean, who knows what episode nine will bring? That could totally change our perception of episode he's, eight. He's supposed to have actually have a large role in episode nine as well. And the other thing too, I don't know if we love how they depict Luke, but what we can see is that he actually does something more powerful with the force than almost any character when he does that force um what do they call that projection force, force projection, projection is incredibly mm-hmm. hard That's, to do she used to be putting an aircraft carrier in the neighborhood <laughs> That's force projection uh, my, my problem with that though is he wasn't there okay but he was <laughs> he wasn't there and you know again this sort of cynical ending um, you know, so to me, they assassinated the character, and then finally he dies. Apparently, maybe not, but uh, I, you know, again, I was disappointed with that because Luke came across to me as you know, you finally get this dramatic buildup where he's sort of facing the entire you know bad guys by himself, you know, uh, and turns out he wasn't really dead. So to me, wasn't it better though than the way Obi Wan went down against Darth Vader in Star Wars: The New Hope? Um, it wasn't. If I don't know, it was effective. And I guess my read at the end of the film was, or you know, my takeaway mm-hmm. at the end of the film was, you know, they almost pre- presented it as. You know, sort of a last dying act, right? Um, that uh, I don't know. It just was. Mm-hmm. It, you know, if I watched and heard the lines and everything, I would associate it more with a a Vader or a Anakin turned Anakin Skywalker than a Jedi. I would say, without getting too on the nose here, he's a lot like a character. Who once was really powerful, who had his hair cut off, his eyes gouged out, and then at some point his hair began to grow again. Like he got this connection back to the force, which he didn't have in the middle of the film. Ray mm-hmm. said it, I didn't feel you. Yeah. And so he's like dead to rights. And at some point in there, he makes a choice to get connected back to the force. So it's almost a redemption. Yeah, of it's Luke actually, a, it is a redemption. Uh-huh. And he does this force thing that. Yoda never did, none of the previous Jedi have ever done, and he does this force projection that gives and buys time for the rebels to move and allows Rey the opportunity to continue her growth. And then the ending where he dies or he evaporates and he'll be a space ghost, and space ghosts can do stuff. These Jedi ghosts, like Yoda did stuff. He called lightning down as a ghost in this movie. Okay. All I remember so, of and, Jedi Space Ghost from the canon. Yeah. So like, you will go to the Dagobah system. Right. Yeah. Learn from Yoda. The Jedi Master instructed me. Yeah. So yeah. Um, they're changing the you know, rules. Frankly. Well but and, in and, that case too, Luke had to do these things himself in order to be the new hope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Obi Wan couldn't do these things for it. Right. He had to do it himself. But right. then he burned the Jedi Temple. Yeah. And let's face it. He was willing to burn the books. Yeah. Well, what do you do with No, that? Yoda did. Didn't he? Yeah, Yoda struck that. And his point was... But, but Luke was going to. Well, his point right. was to not be legalistic. Luke was going to do it out of a fit of rage and emotion. Affect dysregulation. 
to be Ooh, too wow. technical. Bringing that out. Yeah. So, and then, then Yoda talks him off the ledge, and he says, you know what? Right. And then at the, the, at the end of the film, right. the books are in the Millennium Falcon. Right. So actually the director and the writer, the script writer, is saying, you know what? The books are important. But the point we're making in this scene is this legalistic right. embracing of the old Jedi way is getting demolished. And what we need to be more focused on is you said it best earlier, John, when you talked about how the Force, who's to say, like the ego that's involved in saying that the Force belongs to you. Right. Right. And they're kind of deconstructing. They're almost deconstructing ego in a lot of way, in a lot of, way, a lot of ways with Last Jedi. And it is hard to watch. And they don't do a lot of it. There's parts of it that just aren't done well. The casino scene, not done well. Some of the dynamics in the commander stuff with Poe and everything just probably could have been done a lot cleaner. It right. just didn't feel right. very good. And then I don't like when they try to make, I guess I'm ramping up and making all these big points here, but I also don't like the way they pass all of Poe Dameron's travels off is just, oh, shucks, you're a better leader now. After you just committed right. treason a few times right. and killed a bunch right. of people in yeah. your team. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's a point I didn't think because if you look at the movie, it's really, it's Ray learning how to be a Jedi and Paul learning how to be a leader. Yeah. But That's uh, true. on the course and during the course of it, you know, in a military sense, Paul turns to the dark side. Yeah. What can you do in the military that's worse than mutiny? Right. Yeah. And, exactly. You know, right. Exactly. So it would be somehow like somehow you're still in the club. At right. The end of the day, you still have your head connected to the rest of you. Yeah. Right. Uh, but anyway. also, yeah. But also, I didn't. Again, not. You know, I didn't think that from a leadership standpoint, yeah. you know, it was not handled well. Okay. Right. Um, That's fair. And, enough. and so, you know, you lost me. It was one of yeah. many points where you lost me in this film. That's fair. That's yeah. absolutely. And fair. there's one thing where you know you're doing twists that are interesting. That yeah. I want to see what's coming. Yeah. It's another thing where you kind of do stupid stuff. Okay. And you expect me to still believe. Right? Yeah. Okay. So they did one. Suspend your disbelief. They did not <laughs> several find times. me a reason to believe. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Okay. And that's why I was disappointed. Yeah. Which is the theme of our discussion. Another problem that I had. That's a good way to end. Actually, I had a problem with because I want Finn and Ray yeah. to somehow be an item. So when they tried to sell me Rose and Finn. I wasn't buying because I was really kind of hung on Finn Ray. <laughs> true. Oh, okay. True. And I don't want any of that in this movie. I know. Yeah. Right. I just want, you know. Okay. Well, I, I just want more force. I want lightsaber battles. And I want a clear, yeah. well-focused narrative. And Yeah. In fact, what brings up a good thing is had they ended the film yeah. after the, you know, slaughter of the, you know, the emperor and his guards, or yeah. Snope and his guards, that okay, that would have been an ending point. Yeah. Okay. Um, I like the character of Rose, but one thing again just violated everything for me, which was when you know Finn is about to do something heroic and military and right, and she you know she you know prevents him from crashing his speeder into the you know oncoming you know oh, right and and it's like it's not about killing what you hate, it's about saving what you love. Yeah. But fundamentally, the act was fundamentally selfish. Okay. okay. And for me, Rose's act, her act, yeah. to, to save him, okay, right. to me was fundamentally selfish. And so I didn't buy 
I didn't yeah. buy it. I would have bought it if they something in the narrative would have been something to the effect of don't waste your life, that's not going to work. So I'm going to save you from this bad decision because yeah. I love you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that works for right. me. Right. And I, I actually do love the sentiment, saving yeah. what you love rather than yeah. destroying what you hate. Right. Yeah. Um, and and I agree. And in me. some ways, it is a, I would say, a characterization or a manifesto <laughs> for kind of the new values that we mm -hmm. see on Earth now. Yeah. Um, but it was at its core selfish. And to me, that's a problem. Yeah. And it reflects the dualism. So if, again, the dualism translates from external to internal, it's still a problem. Okay. You know, it's still an issue. I, I agree. You're, it's a fair point. I do. The only counter statement I would make to that is if she did it based on her values and not for her own gain, then it wasn't selfish. Uh, but it's a fair point. If you if you yeah. felt from the story that she did it for herself, that's fair. Um, but if you feel that she did it based on a, a value that you saved, or whatever the statement is. As what a, value? The, Saving what you The love. statement itself. Saving what you love, right. selfishly, and allowing the empire. Oh, the love is kind of guys. a selfish thing. <laughs> it's not selfish. Yeah. It, it could be it, incredibly that's selfless. The thing. It's real it depends love. on the motive. It's yeah. not selfish. Yeah. Well, maybe she was being selfless, though, saving him from a futile act. I mean, what is his little yeah, speaker here? Yeah. It's like, Finn, this isn't going to stop them. Yeah. You know, call, we wave him off. Well, he was, he waved, just, he was waved off. He shut off his comlink, didn't he? Didn't he uh, shut no, the she off? crashes into him and knocks I, him out. I thought he said she forged I thought she post said no pull off. He shut it off and then he kept going. Right. I you know, okay. either way, it's a little bit of a semantic and yeah. it's a fair argument. But to me it's a reflection of the value system. Okay. And the value system is flawed. Well, uh, but That's I don't know problem. if the value system is flawed because uh, I saw an extension of that, maybe maybe a penumbra that don't become what you're trying to destroy. There you go. You will become like you will like, become it if you take on the same attributes of your enemy. You're going to become like your enemy, and right. Still, yeah, exactly. You still have a fundamental problem, though, that you have a military enemy that is hunting you down to kill you. And he has a fun. And uh, so where there was a fundamental. The well, it, it, the answer probably is not. Running a dinky little speeder into a enormous yeah, in a full frontal assault. Right, it's yeah. absolutely futile. Yeah. So there's you lost no, me there too. Yeah. There's no. Right. I mean, he's not going to yeah. accomplish. At least there wasn't a case. narrow trench you were maybe down. They didn't want to be. They didn't want to be so on the nose. They figured that as a viewer, you would recognize that little thing is not going to do anything. Uh -huh. So we didn't need to be told that. And well, so why then, do it anyway, Don Quixote. Why bring Don Quixote? So that? you're so I guess what you're saying is that it felt like a plot device that wasn't believable did, when you it didn't work. Okay, it didn't work. That's fair. If, oh, it, if that's, that's funny. I thought it would. I actually thought it worked really well. Okay. I love that part of the film. Okay, it's one that's, of the parts that uh, I most hated. Okay. Really, it's one of the parts I really loved <laughs> because to me it was uh, it was actually something that like a principle. It yeah. was something that would guide. What, it's a belief what that, yeah, yeah belief that it that was, but again, the principle of saving what you love. Yeah. 
Oh, no. and, and so let the guys keep coming. It's one thing if you if your your logic is, look, guy, you're not going to accomplish anything anyway. Save yeah. it, you know, save your chips for another day. Right. Yeah. Save it for the next hand. Okay, that's one thing. It's yeah. another thing to say, you know, I'm going to selfishly do this because I don't want to lose you. And I don't the, think she the was shadow. That. I don't think the shadow yeah. of greed that is. Well, yeah, I didn't feel that that's what she did though. But I don't also. That's what she said. Well, we have to be a little careful here because I can't. I want to be careful to allow you to have the space to have your own opinion. So I think that's I don't. fair. I want you to be proven wrong here <laughs> on it. the internet, in our forum, yes. right? So, <laughs> that's the a, people's court. If you have listened to this, as we kind of land the plane here, so to speak, to the yeah. ditch. This is what you can expect as far as conversation in depth on the Brother Z. We're going to come together. We're going to talk about science fiction movies. We're going to really crack into them, dive into the th into the movie. We're going to go on tangents. We're going to have our own personal beliefs. Right. <laughs> At clearly. times we're going to pull it back center, and sometimes <laughs> we probably won't. Yeah. But that's the fun. Yeah, that's the fun. It's been it. fun for us. Yes, it is. I hope it's been fun for our audience. Absolutely. And are there there are some other films that we want to talk about that yes. didn't quite live up to expectations, yes. did they? At yeah. some point, I'm probably going to need to be in a couch with a therapist when I talk about Infinity War. <laughs> Ooh, I've already talked I, about it at times in, in another podcast, um, Heroes Garage, which I also co-host. But it's, yeah, that one was a, a bigger disappointment actually for me because the characters didn't work at all on some level and some were more awesome. So that's a good one. Okay. Any others? There are some others. Did you ask your question? Pete? I did not ask my question and I did not bring up my other, but it feels like an appropriate time to come to a stop. But I uh -huh. have a Star Wars question that this discussion really sets up. Okay. And I have. A disappointing film. Okay. Let us go with. Does you can you? Why don't you drop the Star Wars one on us? Or it's no? going to lead to more conversation. Is it? Do do we do we have time for more conversation? Yes. Okay. Okay. Do you mind if I vape during this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> You've been vaping this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. So here's my question: Is and this is born out of. Maybe my disaffection with uh, Last Jedi. Okay. It was born out of Rogue One, and it was born out of Solo. Okay. My question is: Is this? And it was kind of born out of Episode Seven, also. Is can you have a successful Star Wars movie, whether it's a story or the main canon, without some palpable element of nostalgia for the with respect to the first reference to the first trilogy and even the first trilogy itself would reference things like actions uh, like clone wars or right right i mean the pre there was, the prequels that had not yet been made. right 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 which That's was intentional question. yeah but i mean where we've come to I mean, Solo had, I would argue, Solo had nostalgia, didn't right. have box, box office success. Yeah. I would argue it was interesting. Yeah. My problem with Last Jedi is probably nostalgia was utterly violated. Episode 7, I love because it was a return to the campfire. Um, you know, it's like Prometheus, 
Prometheus to Alien, uh, somewhat, you know, Blade Runner 2049 to Blade Runner. Um, but then you build up all this wonderful storyline and warmth, and then just completely change all the rules in episode eight. That's part of the reason that, you know, but you can, you, that, that, you, so that's my question. You could have set up the world differently, but I think I set it up to be in the exactly exact same setup as episodes four through six, a really dominant empire, hopeless rebels fighting, you know, the good fight against, you know, but they were but, winning. They were in good shape at the end of episode. Seven. I know which, which, why well, did I, the lights get turned out? Um, well, that's they were kind of in good shape at the end of A New Hope, in a sense. They'd blown up the Death Star, but by Empire, they were not in good shape again. But you got to see the story. But then by the end of Jedi, you saw them. I mean, they cut off the head. So right. we can you assume. You didn't see them. You just went. This is very similar. You went right from blowing up the Death Star and then Force Awakens. But to answer your question, we'll get in a rabbit hole with that. Right. I'm going to say this. I think that the creators, Disney, whoever's in charge of this franchise is looking at the health of this franchise and they're telling you the answer. They're telling you that we're going to make some references in nostalgia, but we need to start telling new stories with new characters with new rules. We can't go back to midichlorians anymore. We can't go back to this hierarchical, everything goes through Skywalkers. There has to be a busting apart of that. Yeah. And Last Jedi was painful for the nostalgia folks. Um, but they have to do something different because they need to raise up new fans. And if they don't, they're not going to have $900 million domestically anymore. Right. So you're going to have something other than that. So this is, you know, I mean, the Bond films have yeah. had the same thing, where right. it's basically the last two films have been laboriously deconstructionist. Let's, let's get on with it and probably put to where Mission Impossible, the latest Mission Impossible, really was, if you think about it. I think what Bond wants to be. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, there's another film that comes to mind, but basically, so I get that. Okay. I get that. Um, but to a point that you made before we started the podcast, Last Jedi would have been a great beginning. Right. Of the, of the mm. trilogy. Absolutely. Not the middle. Absolutely. Because it is a transitional film. Yeah. Just getting rid of some of the old ways. It's like it when is. the Berlin Wall fell. Or when the yeah. Soviet Empire crumbled, that you know, going around talking about communists was kind of weird. Yeah, I'm glad um, they didn't though, because so, there's parts of the Last Jedi. I'm going to pick on the casino scene, and I'm also going to pick a little bit on Finn's brief moment of glory when he fights the silver robot character whose name I can't remember. Oh right, that um, was great. I like that. You like that? Yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, I, I like it when people like something that. I want to be. I want Star Wars to, to succeed. So yeah. there was a lot of prequelism kind of feeling in this for me, and I say that in a bad way. In right. Last Jedi, there was there was. Um, I think they tried to, in some ways, they tried to do too much with Last Jedi. I, th I, I, I would think, agree. I think if they would have boiled away all of the fancy stuff they were trying to do, and if they would have boiled it down to simpler, more direct themes, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Um, but they did some stuff that it just felt like prequel stuff to me. The casino scene comes to mind. Right. The little kid who raises it, a broom. It's in a reminiscent of the whole pause yeah. of, of the yeah. origin of the episodes one, yeah. two, three. Okay, I, 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 I'm I, with you there. Oh, I did. I started a point, never made it. 
I think if they started with this, it would be troublesome. I think they wanted to pull the nostalgia people in. Right. And right. so they have two totally movies to make that. money on that, right? right? Force Awakens gets all your nostalgia folks. Yeah. Last Jedi will take them with it because they're going to watch it anyway. But you should have foreshadowed some of what happened in Last Jedi at the end of the other film if you're going to do that. Gotcha. Agreed. That's no. that's yeah. the missing link is okay. you, you didn't. Yeah. You didn't you bring didn't. me along. Yeah, you didn't. They didn't. They weren't very gentle about pulling the, the, the nostalgia people into The Last Jedi. Right. There was a hard, convoluted, subversive turn, and it was a violent. It was. Turn. And, and this is. This is. This <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I yeah. actually agree with you. I can't really argue with you. I mean, that. It was hard. Yeah. yeah. It was very hard. I, I saw it in a really nice theater. Um, very good screen, very good seats, and I walked out convoluted. And I thought I was going to be walking out of that thing, thinking, "Okay, I could probably see it again on Saturday." But right. I needed to. I walked out, and my first reaction was, "Am I going to see this again?" You know, I don't yeah. know. I don't yeah. know if I care to see this again. And that's funny because I hated it the first time I saw it. The second time I saw it, I was okay with it, but I still don't need to see it again. Yeah, that's funny. Which I'll never watch it again. Really? I've watched it. Never. I've yeah. watched it several times yeah. since I've watched it. It's on the airplane now. The first time. <laughs> I like it more every time I watch it, and I see things I didn't see the first time. However, I still don't like the casino scene, and I don't like the prequel feel of chunks of it. Okay, yeah, the full paw feel. Yeah. yeah. He, like, it's just overthought, over-detailed, almost like documentary-level goofiness at times where... Yeah. You don't need all that. At times, you just need to, you know, suck it up and just get a little adrenaline going. Um, so, but what's your disappointment? What's your next thing you're going to bring up? My next disappointment? Yeah. I'm not, I, I, I want to save it. Who you're going to save it for our get, next podcast? We're going to get into it. Yeah. Okay. This, 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 it's, we're going to loop another cycle here. Okay. Keep our so, host awake and let's do it. get kicked out, get a bad rating is. Verbo users. Okay. So I want to say <laughs> save us from that dark side. Okay. So yeah, this is your this has been the very first inaugural issue of the Brother Z, and I am your co-host, Tom. I am Peter. I'm John. And until next time, so long. <laughs>